So I'm guessing most of us know the feeling of when we're inauthentic, right? Just that sense of like, it uh, didn't feel quite right. You know, it's something that, something we did or something that came out of our mouth and, and it's like, that's uh, not really what I meant, you know, not really what I intended. And, you know, you get that sort of contracted, embarrassed feeling. And so that, that's the way we normally think of authenticity, um, that, you know, what I consider myself to be, the opinions that I have, the beliefs that I hold, the um, values that I hold dear, um, that's, that's what I want to be in the world. So that's sort of one level of authenticity. And that's, and that's fine, right? That's how we generally think about that. Um, the, the only difficulty with that is that um, what we're trying to portray out into the world is dependent on how we hold that internally. Yes? So how we hold that internally is comprised of everything that went before in our life. All our conditioning, our upbringing, our parents, our culture, our where we went to school, our friends, our teachers, our first boyfriend, all of that contributes to, you know, that which we take ourselves to be now, right? Conditioned. Conditioned body-mind, right? Nothing wrong. It's just what happened, right? Some of it we like, some of it, eh, not so much. So what, we're, it, what it seems like we're in the constant process of doing is trying to improve that, you know, improve this, you know, whatever we take ourselves to be, you know, within the limitations and judge, self-judgments that we have that we can't quite shake, and that's believed that we are. And, and somehow this construct, we're hoping when it's projected out into the world, will feel good, right? We'll feel sort of honest, sincere, you know, likable, lovable, whatever our intentions are. Maybe strong, powerful, mm. <laughs> authentic, right? Hoping the external will match what, what we're holding internally. And again, I, like I say, the, the issue is how we're holding that internally you know, if it's, if it's not clear internally, it's not going to be clear out externally. You know, we can try, but it's just not going to work all the time. Sometimes, maybe, we'll get it right. And when we do, you know, we like that. You know, if you're like, oh, that was, that was me. The rest of it, not, you know, not really me. So that's, that's one way of holding authenticity. Um, that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the. We're um, going to talk about it at a deeper level. As we've been talking so far, what we're talking about is sort of improving this internal self-image that we hold. You know, improving this functionality of the body um, so that it matches some sort of standard that is also thoroughly conditioned, and that we believe that that's what we should be, or that's what I want to be and I'm not quite there yet, but I'm working on it, right? Lifelong project. And I, I'd suggest that's founded very firmly in our culture, in our Western culture. There's a sense, I mean, no matter what 
tradition or none that we were brought up with. It seems um, inherent in our culture that there's a sense of somehow I am flawed, right? Sort of from the get-go, you know, original sin. You know, this sense of looking at authenticity as, you know, sort of the improvement to the point of perfection or near perfection of this form is, um, well, it'd be nice if it worked, right? You know, if it, it would be nice if we could say, yeah, I did it. I was, I was started out all flawed and a sinner and everything, but now, by gosh, I am, I'm done. Everything's good. Couldn't be better. So what I wanted to do is, is look at it from a, a deeper perspective. Um, and, and just acknowledge, yeah, these, these body minds were conditioned thoroughly, all of us, in different ways, of course. Some, you know, I think we can all say, well, you know, this conditioning I, I like pretty well, works for me. That conditioning it feels like a limitation, feels like a, a tight-fitting suit. You know, it doesn't feel quite like me, but I don't quite know how to shake it. There's that sense. Feel constrained. It feels like I remember in, in my 20s the, the very real sense of somehow there was a veil between me and existence, right? The world, other people. You know, that I, I didn't know what created it. I didn't know how to get past it. Felt like, like I was an impersonating an adult, right? <laughs> you know, they, all those other adults sort of had it together, but me, not really, you know, it was just like, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I'm doing my best, but it feels awkward. It feels like I, I just, there's not a sense of comfort in being in this world and being in this body. Not terrible, but just discomfort. In uh, Buddhism, they, they call the sense dukkha, you know, sort of unsatisfactoriness. I mean, it's not terrible, but it just feels like, oh, like, don't quite feel at home feel comfortable, comfortable in my own skin, comfortable in how I am in the world. And um, this has very much to do with this sense of authenticity because I think for all of us there's a, a, a deep sense of um, something real, something true, and, uh, and yet the expression of it through these conditioned body-minds comes out as somehow not quite that. Gets filtered through our conditioning, through our thinking mind, hoping that things turn out, hope, you know, fearing that they might not, you know, wanting to manage the situation, wanting to be liked, all those things sort of distort what actually, how we actually move in the world. Anybody ever feel that? It, it didn't, you know, I, I did this, but it, or I said this, and it didn't, feel like exactly me, exactly the deepest sense of who I, who I know I am, and yet it comes out this way. So, like I say, one, one way is to try to improve that functionality over the course of a lifetime. I mean, one, one of the things that I struggled with for m most of my life, I mean, until... until I don't know, into my 60s, I mean, it still even comes up sometimes now, was just this unbearable shyness, fear of speaking to 
more than one person at a, at a time. You know, just, just the terror of it, right? Terror of being judged, being liked. And so I spent a lifetime, you know, sort of working at that, you know, sort of putting myself in positions of trying to do it. And it sort of improved a little bit over time, over decades, right, with a lot of effort, a lot of fear. But there, there's an entirely different way of approaching it. In the West, there's sort of this cultural thing that we start, I have to do something in order to earn my right to be here. Anybody ever felt that? Like it's, I'm not, I'm not enough just as is. I have, to, I have to do something. Being wasn't sufficient proof of our worthiness. We had to do something to earn it. Many Eastern traditions, they have quite a different, uh, quite a different view of our original state, let's say. Whereas in the West, it's like you start out flawed and maybe with good grace and good fortune and if you do everything right and with a little bit of luck, you'll be approved. In, in the East, um, most of the traditions start out with a different, a totally different concept in that um, in your most essential being, it is already complete without flaw. And yes, there's you know, this accumulated beliefs and conditioning and ideas about ourselves and self-judgments and all of that gets piled onto the top of that. But what you essentially are has been there from the very beginning. And our job is just to dig through the, the debris and find out what's already the case. So quite, quite different. Rather than starting from less than zero and working our way up, we start from being already that and the process of discovering it through the exploration of um, the beliefs that we hold about ourselves and the world. You know, sort of working our way through all those layers to find out what's essentially already as is the case. So what I'd like to do is, is approach this sense of authenticity more from the latter, right? More from the sense of what we essentially are is already that. And then when that's, when that's recognized, the sense of this conditioning, you know, this sense of personal foibles and limitations and habits and insecurities and all of that, it's, it's not that it disappears, it's just not that significant. You know, and by seeing it from that perspective, the miracle of it is that it tends to lose its stickiness. Doesn't disappear overnight. You know, I can still be shy, but when there was a recognition of it's just how this body-mind got conditioned, nothing more. Doesn't taint our essential being. It's just how this form got conditioned, right? We all, we all got conditioned. I mean, we learned how to walk, form a conditioning. We learned how to talk. We learned how to write, all conditioning. We learned how to drive a car. We learned how to operate a, a phone with our thumbs. Amazing. And then we picked up, you know, all the beliefs and opinions and judgments, all of that also conditioning. So we can see that some of it's functional, you know, some portion of it causes us and other people to suffer.
you know, the two, two avenues that are available is one to, is try to fix that, but trying to fix it from believing that that's what I am is a little bit like trying to do surgery on yourself. It's like you want to do it, but you really don't want to do it. I mean, the, the other alternative is to recognize what we truly are, which can happen in a moment, doesn't require a lifetime, can happen in a moment because it's already the case. And when we recognize what that is, then we can look at the conditioning with a little distance, with a little daylight between what we know we are and what, what this body-mind was conditioned as. And then the conditioning doesn't, it's still there, but it's, it's just not that, that serious. By accepting it for what it is, it tends to lose its hold on us. You know, rather than believing I am a, whatever, angry person, judgmental person, unloving person, unworthy person. You feel how sort of dense that is? How, you know, if we've concluded that that's true, you know, I am an unlovable person, let's say. If that's your current assessment, what do you have to do? You know, or if I'm an unworthy person, what do you have to do to become worthy? You know, what would be grand enough to sort of tip the needle from unworthy to worthy? I mean, would you have to solve world hunger, for example? I mean, what would you have to do? But if we can just take a step back and see that from the perspective of this spaciousness that we were talking about last night, yes, there's this belief in unworthiness or judgmentalism or selfishness or you know whatever whatever or being angry or being depressed whatever yes that exists that's what's occurring in this mind that belief is um, reinforced by repeating it to ourselves. oh that's why I feel this way because I am whatever but from this perspective of, of spaciousness, it's not judgmental. It's not trying to change any of that. It's not trying to fix any of that. It's not, it's actually not even seeing that as a problem. Inconvenient, okay. Embarrassing sometimes, yes. Inappropriate, okay. Just conditioning, right? But from this perspective of just what notices all of that, it's just what happened. You didn't choose any of it. It's just what happened along the way. You know, just the happenstance of, you know, the family you were born into, the economic circumstances, your school, your culture, religion, all of that. You were just sort of carried along by the momentum of that, of <laughs> the situation and the prior conditioning. And yeah, so it's all, it all just happened. Right? No blame here. Parents aren't to blame. They were just being carried along by their conditioning. <laughs> sort of our inheritance, you know, like one generation to the next. Here's your conditioning, kid. Like it or not. Okay, so we've talked about, you know, being able to view that just from a different perspective rather than this is what I am and I've got to fix it to saying, yes, this is how it's you know, been programmed over the course of a lifetime, and this is what it looks like. 
okay, get over it. <laughs> it's, it is as it is, so what? But the important thing is that there's something much more real, much more alive, much more true, that is what we actually are. And so the question is, okay, if that were true, how, how do I access that? How do I recognize that? So the good news is it, that you're already that, right? Like complete, you and the Buddha, complete, same, 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 okay. But how, how do you recognize that? It should be obvious, hopefully, that we can't think our way there. All thought is a concept. All thought is made out of words that are also abstractions from reality. So whatever concept we come up with, however sublime, will not be actually what's true. But there's something that's true. There's something that's real. At some level, I believe that we can all sense that. There's something real about this existence. You know, the, I mean, to, to me, it's miraculous that there's even one existence, you know, that any of this is happening. You know, who would have guessed? I mean, quite spectacular, actually. Just the immense, infinite number of forms that are possible, infinite number of moods, feelings, thoughts, experiences over the course of a lifetime. Some more enjoyable than others, sure. Some mundane, maybe quite a few mundane, some spectacular, some awful. What we have the opportunity in this lifetime to experience, then the question is, what is it that's experiencing that? What is actually living this life? Yeah, the, the, the body, the mind, this, this sense of me, my personality, is what it feels like it's living this life. I mean, when, it, when something pleasurable happens, where it happens is in this body, you know, where something painful happens, where does it happen? It happens in this body. The only question is, is that what I am? We presume that it is, right? We've always thought that it is, like, well, no, this is me. The only question, is that true? And so this, if we're curious, and there's no necessity to be. Uh, the reason that there's no necessity to be curious about it at all, as most people aren't, whether we're interested in it or not, whether we believe in some you know, divine creation or not, um, regardless, we still are what we essentially are. So nothing's ultimately lost. But if there is there is a possibility in this lifetime. It doesn't take 100 lifetimes to undo all our karma. It just takes a moment of recognition to see what is already the case. And so the, again, the question of, okay, how do I do that? So the most direct way to do that is just to s stay with the very simple sense of I am. Just that. N nothing else is actually needed. Just that sense of I am. 
Right? It's not like I am, forget everything that goes after the word am. I am a man, I am handsome, I am worthy, I am old, I am young, I am whatever. Whatever goes after that word, just, just see that it's the mind trying to limit what I actually am. It's a contraction. Maybe, maybe relatively true. Yeah, sure, this body looks like this, okay. Relatively true, but as, if we're talking about what's really true, um, we need to get to the heart of the matter. And um, the, one, the one thing that we can say with absolute certainty is, I exist. I may not know what that is or means, but there's, there's a, a sense of, it's not a, it's not a belief. It's not like, well, someone told me that I exist, therefore, I guess I must exist. Not that, right? It's like, no, I, I exist. There's a sense of being. <laughs> Anybody say, no, I don't exist? Anybody can do that? <laughs> I mean, you see the logic of it, right? You'd have to exist even to claim that you don't. So it's, it's, the, it's the one thing that we can say with, with, with certainty. And so the, the whole practice, if you want to call it that, or exploration um, or inquiry, however you want to characterize it as just like, okay, but what is that? I mean, just staying with the sense of it. So by asking what is that, we don't have to try to conceptualize it, right? That doesn't help, because then we're back into thinking about it. But just, it's just to really feel into it, like, what, what, is, what is that? Just that, that pure sense of just being, being prior to everything that we may think about ourselves or other people or the world or God or whatever. Just what that sense of beingness is. There was a um, brilliant sage uh, from the last century uh, in India, um, Nisargadatta Maharaj, and um, he was with a, with a certain um, sense of pride. He said, I my teacher told me to uh, stay with the sense of I am, and um, it only took me three years. I'm sure he knew that by comparison, the, the, the Buddha left his kingdom and went off in search of um, the truth, and it uh, took him six years. So. <laughs> and it doesn't have to even take that long. You know, it's just to really remain with that sense. And the difficulty for the mind is the mind doesn't like simple. The mind likes complicated. The mind likes, well, the mind likes a 10-step plan, you know, a progression, how to improve my way there. But then we're caught back into the original paradigm, like I'm not worthy now, but I'm working my way there, and it'll just take me, I don't know, maybe three more lifetimes, and then I'll get there. I just have to stay on the straight and narrow. But in the meantime, what's present for that whole seeking process is already what is being sought. St. Francis said exactly that. Not what, what we're looking for, but what's doing the looking. But we're so trained 
to look for answers outside of ourselves that we, that we seek, right? <laughs> I'm sure it's not here, so I am going to go on a search for it. I'm going to meditate for hours a day. I'm going to go live in a cave. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And then maybe I'll become worthy of it. Maybe grace will decide to shine her light my way. But the whole time, what is, what is seeking comes from this longing to recognize what we truly are. We don't think that. We think, no, it's me. I'm the one that's seeking, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to improve myself by seeking, and I am going to be, at some point, maybe this life or the next, I'll be rewarded for it. That's the, that's the belief. But the, I suggest that the longing itself comes from a deeper place. It comes from source. Source seeking itself through you, to recognize itself through and as your form 